at the end of service next week. So uh, God's been doing a lot here at Northwest, has he not? I mean, uh, you got Ryan Miller's testimony a couple weeks ago. Uh, Last week, Scott preached, I heard, for an hour, and the Lord was moving in him and in his people. And uh, what 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 an amazing thing to hear the passion of God from that young man. He stirs us all to the word of God and to share his gospel to the ends of the earth. And uh, I'll tell you what, you ought to be proud of your team, both of them because they boldly shared the gospel um, in the face of much difficulty and uh, in a people group that uh, does not know Jesus. Um, You know, when you think about all these things, by the way, our team got back here at 1 a.m. this morning and they're all here, so they must be excited to worship with you this morning as well. So yeah, they may be falling asleep. I see you right there in the front, but... But we know who you are, and uh, we'll be watching out for you. But the food was amazing. Um, uh, they have this, this little dish. It's called a tagine. And uh, the food, uh, they cook it in this little, little it's like a crock pot, if you, if you will. But it's their own homemade clay crock pot. And they cook all sorts of dishes in there. And I, I, we ate way too much. I don't know. Everyone wanted to feed us. They were very hospitable, um, amazingly welcoming, amazingly friendly. Um, but uh, it's so similar to the team that went to Utah this year in that the people are under a cloud of darkness um, and, and believing a system um, without the hope of Jesus and Jesus' salvation. Um, You know, we really had a lot of engaging questions um, with Muslims. This is my first time to ever go to a Muslim country um, ever, and uh, it was enlightening. Um, If you haven't worked with Muslims specifically, um, I suggest that you begin uh, with the people around you, they're all around our city, they're all around our, our people, and uh, ask these people on this team, how do I engage a Muslim family with the gospel? And they will be happy to um, share with you. I'm going to share with you some of the ways in which we engage people, but um, we really, really got down to the question of how do you pay for your sins? I mean, I mean re- re- really, you have a holy God um, that is coming to judge your sins. And they, and they believe that. So how do you pay for your sins, right? In the midst of a holy and righteous God. And, and the answer was the same every single time. People we talked to, they said, you do more good than you do bad. And, and I, I think that's, that's a similar answer to many Americans today. How do you pay for your sins? Well, you're a good person. Well, I do, I do this and this and this and this. I do these good works. And that's how I pay for my sins. The problem is the Bible tells us otherwise. Romans 3, 9 through 12 says this. Leading up to Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. This is what it says. What then? Are we Jews any better off? No, not at all. For we have already charged that all, both Jews and Greeks, are under sin. As it is written, none is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. The moment that we begin to say we are good, we can do good, we have good works, we are reminded of our great and holy God who is perfect and righteous and without sin completely. Um, Dr. Brown would, would, uh, would use a... A uh, example very frequently of um, a pig fat in a meal. They, 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 they. It's very haram or, or not. Um, they do not eat pork, 
and uh, he, would, he would share with them the story of just one drop of pig fat in the plate or the meal, would they eat it? And they would say, of course we would not. It's been contaminated. It's not good. One drop of poison in a water, would you drink it? No, it is not. It is not good. That's what the scripture tells us. None is righteous. No, not one. You look back at the Garden of Eden, there is one command not to eat the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and it's one response, disobedience to God's call. Thus, sin came into the world, and we are declared sinners. But, but the most, um, I think the most challenging, maybe the most exhausting, maybe the most just emotional piece of our trip was engaging people who had never heard that Jesus died on the cross and rose again. The Quran teaches that Jesus' body was switched, that he actually didn't die. Therefore, he did not res- resurrect or rise again. And each time we would engage someone and tell them that Jesus died on the cross, his disciples saw him die. His mother saw him die upon the cross. And they saw him resurrect from the dead. They were willing to give their life for this gospel. And they did give their life for the gospel. And more than 400, 500 people testified to the risen Lord who died upon the cross and rose again. They would look at us like we were, that was the first time that they ever heard that Jesus actually died and rose again. Imagine that. Never hearing that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. That no one comes to the Father except through him. A hundred percent of the people that we talked to had never heard that. A hundred percent. Jericho would share this this week um, with a lot of people. He would would share the C.S. Lewis that Jesus declared himself to be the risen Savior and Lord. He declared himself to be God. So he's either a lunatic, a liar, or the Lord Almighty. What are you going to do about that? He cannot just be a prophet. How beautiful to bring the good news. And this was, and I'm going to say this right here. This is our whole church going to an unreached people group and sharing because it takes all of us to do, be able to do something like this. It's not just the nine people who went, but every single person that's a part of this body of Christ allowed us to be able to do what we did this week. But how beautiful is it to bring the good news of the gospel to a, a people who have never heard that the word became flesh and made his dwelling among men. Today we see a people in this word in the scriptures in Acts, in Acts chapter 17, much like the people that we saw in North Africa. They are confronted with the truth of the gospel and there must be a response to the truth of the word of God. So open up with me to Acts chapter 17, verse 10, and we'll begin there. Acts 17, verse 10, um, and we'll read the next five verses. So hopefully it'll be a short time, so we'll give an opportunity for our people to pray this morning. So if you'll stand with me in reading of God's word, we'll start in verse 10 this morning. By the way, as you're standing, uh, it is seven-year anniversary for uh, Northwest and Espanol. That's a big deal for us, and we should praise the Lord for that. Seven years. God has uh, planted a church here in Spanish, and we are reaching 
the Spanish-speaking peoples of Oklahoma City through Northwest and Espanol. Mauricio is going to come celebrate with us next week. And so we're going to give a big uh, uh, a ceremony here and celebrate with him next week. And so you bring your, your, uh, your high fives to him and his team and uh, congratulations on what God is doing there next week and your love towards him. This week, I'm going to go up there and congratulate them after our service today. But next week, we are going to celebrate uh, what God has done there. Let's look at verse 10 together. The brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. And when they arrived, they went into the Jewish synagogue. This was Paul's custom. I'm sure that, uh, that Brother Scott has told you that this was his custom last week. They went into the Jewish synagogue. Now, these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Many of them, therefore, believed with not a few Greek women of high standing as well as men. But when the Jews from Thessalonica learned the word of God was proclaimed by Paul at Berea also, they came there too agitating and stirring up the crowds. Then the brothers immediately sent Paul off his way to the sea. But Silas and Timothy remained there. Those who conducted Paul brought him as far as Athens and that after receiving a command for Silas and Timothy to come to him as soon as possible, they departed. You can be seated. Let's pray and ask the Lord to bless our time together. Father, we thank you as we study your word, as we look through Acts, as we see the Bible unfolding before us, that our eyes would be open to what you want to do according to your spirit, according to your people, according to your church, for the advancement of the gospel to the nations. Lord, we see a people who are confronted with the truth, and examine the scriptures to see if these things were so. Father, we pray for opening of eyes and Muslims all around the world that they would examine the scriptures to see if these things are true. And Father, may we be people who present them the truth of the gospel and allow their minds and hearts to be opened to your word, that they would open the scriptures and be reminded of the truth of your word and respond with faith in Christ. Lord, we thank you and praise you for this morning. We thank you for your church and what you're doing here amongst your people. We thank you for what you're doing in your church there amongst your people. We praise you and uh, we ask that you would bless this time together. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You can be praying for some of the people we share with um, in a minute, um, but, but one, one story I want to share with is uh, a man from a small village we met. Uh, he has two donkeys and one cow, young man. His parents are farmers. He has a rock-style home uh, that, you would, that you would imagine seeing. Hopefully next week we can show a video of some of our pictures. But uh, he's never heard of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Just like I said earlier, they're told from birth um, that Jesus actually did not die, um, that he did not resurrect. They are told that he is coming again, but they are not told that he died. There's a reason for that. Um, you, 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 they try to keep people in the box of Islam, right? They try to uh, keep, so whatever, whatever allows them to keep them into this box, if you convert to Christianity, uh, according to them, you go to hell. Um, so so you, you're, you're kept in, in a box, um, and if you look outside of the box, you're shunned upon by those around you. But this, this guy was a highly educated um, student. He was getting his PhD in quantum physics. He stumbled into an English study with some Americans from Oklahoma with a real slow, slow drawl. Howdy, y'all. We have a couple guys, and myself included, that have a good drawl, and they're learning English from us Oklahomans, right? And, uh, and um, we, we, we were able to uh, go, he was able to be our tour guide one day to go to a waterfall 
um, to show beautiful places in the country um, of, of, of the place where we went. And, um, and so uh, we get into a spiritual conversation about Islam, and we ask him about his faith. Uh, he says, oh, yes, very, very same, same, right? Very same, similar, very same, same. We, 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 uh, religion, very same, very similar. But in Islam, uh, one must work to earn God's favor. Uh, some of the works that we must do, this is him ex- explaining to us, uh, praying five times a day, fasting, during Ramadan, giving to the poor, making a pilgrimage to Mecca, confessing a, a shahada or, or, or a proclamation that they believe in one God and, and his prophet Muhammad. And, um, and, and the young man thinks that this, this, is, this is, makes sense. This is what he has been taught in his home, his school, at the mosque. Uh, every, everyone around him believes this. This is, this is, this is what is his truth. That if you do good, your good will will outweigh your bad and God will let you into heaven. Then the Christian sitting across the table from him explains to him that just as Adam and Eve sinned one time, that you are separated from a holy and righteous God just as they were kicked out of paradise and separated from a holy and righteous God, you will not be allowed to enter into heaven because you are a sinner. The punishment is death. The wrath of God is going to be poured out on sinners. The man, first time hearing this, is confused. I mean, he says, but aren't we all in this together? Don't we all have the same problem? Because you and I are not perfect. But isn't this God merciful and gracious? Surely he will just forgive, will he not? This is what he is asking us. The man across the table, one of our guys, says, why, yes, God is gracious, loving, merciful, forgiving, iniquity and sin, yet by no means does he clear the guilty. How can God be a good and a just judge, not clearing the guilty, and yet forgiving iniquity. This is the question, right? This is the question that people are asking. I'm glad you asked that. It's because God himself took on the punishment of sin. The righteous gave his life for the unrighteous to bring you to God. Jesus came down from heaven to rescue mankind from sin. God's grace meets God's wrath at the cross. God's wrath poured out for sinners on Jesus the righteous in in paying the penalty for sin. Therefore, Jesus alone has the authority to forgive sin. Amen? You with me? Now, when you're confronted with this for the first time, that's a lot to take in. That is a lot to take in. There were countless conversations like this we had this week. In the same way, we were introducing that the word became flesh, made his dwelling among men to save them. Paul also making his appeal in this word to a people who do not know Jesus and are trying to find him in the scriptures. One thing about this young man, 
He's a quantum physicist. And quantum technology, in technology, there's zeros and ones. Uh, so to do a computer program, you need zeros and ones. I don't know more than that. That's all I can understand, okay? You need zeros and ones. But in quantum technology, the computers that run really, really fast, they can be zeros and ones at the same time. Okay, that, that blows my mind. I don't understand it. But when you're trying to tell somebody about the tri triune God who can be a zero and one at the same time, boy, that helps you, all right? So uh, that was a gift from the Lord. Remember Paul, who's been, and we've been reading through Acts here, who's been summoned to the continent of Europe in a vision. There he comes to Philippi, and I'm, at that city he meets a prominent businesswoman, Lydia, a young girl who's demon-possessed in the jailer, and that the church begins, right, with those people. Paul is thrown into prison, he's beaten badly, yet the gospel moves forward. He encourages this church now in Philippi and he moves on to Thessalonica where he faces more trials. And he's accused of turning the world upside down. I love that. If you look in our picture out here, there's, there's a picture of um, uh, uh, one of the three pictures on this side and it's got a picture of Oklahoma City. It's upside down, Ryan actually took that picture, but that is what it's displayed is a city who is upside down because of the gospel of Christ. I think it's mission on this side. That's what it says, mission. And it turns the world upside down. What people have believed for many generations deep has now been turned on its head in Thessalonica and now in North Africa. What people are now forced to decide is what is true as they examine these scriptures and as we see from the Bereans this morning. And, and what, what these people were doing was basically a works-based system, just like Islam is. I follow the law. And Paul is saying, repent of trying to wash your own sins away. Trust and believe fully on the finished work of Jesus Christ upon the cross. God's provision for salvation. So just as he's telling this in the first century Berea and Thessalonica, we are telling it in the 21st century North Africa. So verse 10, what does it say? says, the brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. When they had arrived, they went into the Jewish synagogue. Now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. This is the first point this morning. It's this, receive the word of truth. Receive the word of truth. Uh, I, I don't think that we understand what we have in the word of truth about Christ until we go to these countries which don't have it. We learned from the very beginning the power is in the word of God. Um, you know, we, we downloaded Arabic into our phones and we would share with them a verse or a story and have them read it in their own language which would reveal to them truth. John was a preferred book um, of, of studying the Bible with new believers or people who are seeking the truth. John twenty thirty one actually says, but these are written, talking about what is uh, written in the book of John. These are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. What a book to begin reading with somebody. Let's, let's get people into the word of truth. The, the, the book of John is written so that you may believe Jesus is the Christ. Are you, are you having trouble with your faith? 
You say, man, man I, I, don't, I don't know if, if, if my faith is really centered upon Christ. I'm not sure if I truly believe all these things in this book. Why don't you pull out the book of John and begin reading it? And begin studying it with someone else. Because that's why it was written. So that you may believe in the truth that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. You're struggling with your life right now. You're struggling with faith in God. You're struggling with faith in the trial. You're struggling with that. Let's pull out the book of John and let's read it. Because it is true. And it is good. Amen? But guess what? There's some who believe or receive this there's some in, in this process of receiving the word that receive the word. There are some who do not at all. There are some who receive the word and then believe. There are some who receive the word and are choked out. We, we talked a lot about the, the parable of the soils this week. Let me read it to you. Jesus describes it this way in Matthew 13, 18. Here then the parable of the soil. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away that has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. So, so what are we doing? We're just sowing the word. We're sowing the word of truth, sowing the word of the gospel, sowing the resurrection and the life that Jesus died and he resurrected from the dead, sowing that we must pay for sins, sowing the truth of, of, the, of, the, of the gospel through a story or through a, our testimony. We're just sowing it out there. And guess what? The, the ones that, that come along the path that does not understand it, the enemy just comes and snatches it up. The second soil is verse 20. As for that which was sown on the rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. He's receiving the word. Okay? He's receiving the word. It's interesting. They receive the word. They listen to the word in Berea. And then what happens? They examine the scriptures. Somebody who's a person of peace listens to what you have to say according to the truth about Jesus. The one who hears the word and receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself but endures for a while when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. Now this, this happens all the time in the country we were going to. People hear the word. They may even say, man, this is true. But when it comes time and they're going to be persecuted, they go, I'm not in. I'm not in to that. Persecution is great, much greater than what we have here. But guess what? We have persecution too. But this one probably applies more to us, the third soil. As for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word. But the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches choke the world and it proves unfruitful. This is the one that applies to us as Americans. We hear the word on Sunday. We hear the word in our quiet time. We hear the word... And then the world, the deceit of the world, the pleasures of the world choke us out and we prove to be unfruitful for the kingdom of God. That's tough. That is difficult to hear. Fruit from the kingdom of God from his people. We visited a guy who had not shown fruit. He proclaimed in faith in Christ, he did not show fruit. Um, the person we were working with said, what do we do with this guy, Rob? I said, let's go talk to him. We talked to him, we challenged him. He said, I don't know, I don't know who I can share with. I'm not sure if I can share, I'm, I'm scared, I'm, I'm fearful. He, he may have been the, the persecution, the tribulation, he may have been the deceitfulness of riches, but he's choked out and proves to be unfruitful in his life. Verse 23, as it was sown on the good soil, this is the one who hears the word, he understands it, he indeed bears fruit and yields. 
In one case, a hundredfold, in another case, 60, and another 30. He bears fruit. He makes disciples who make disciples. He shares the word of truth with others, and others receive it and bear fruit in their life. Fruit of the Spirit, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control. These, these are not just, oh yeah, I, I did this good work, I did this good work, I did this good work. No, no, it, it's who you are. It's, it's, it's entirely who the Spirit has led you to become in your life. Not what you do, but who you are inside of you. Are you a person that proclaims the gospel? That's who I am, not what I do. There's a a difference there. So it's so interesting um, that the people group we were working with in North Africa, they used to cover all of North Africa um, and they used to be Christians. So interesting to hear the history. Um, Early Christian writer Augustine was actually part of this people group. Some of you guys know who I'm talking about when I say Augustine. He was one of these people. Now 99.2% Muslim. These people knew the word of God. They had the word of God. They even had scholars who would write biblical history like Augustine. Biblical preachers of the word of God. And yet when the Arabs came through, they said convert or die. And now the gospel is returning again to this people. And we studied the passage in our, um, in our church on Sunday morning with just a few people with us. It was Jeremiah 31. And in Jeremiah 31, it says these obscure words. I studied it a little bit because I was preaching. But um, so it wasn't online just in case you knew. So you don't have to worry about it. Scott was preaching here, but it wasn't online in, in Africa. But Jeremiah 31, 29 says this, in those days they shall no longer say, this is talking about Israel when they come back and God restores them and redeems them from um, their, their uh, exile and their slavery in Babylon. Jeremiah is proclaiming to his people the new covenant and he says, in those days they shall no longer say, the fathers have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge, but everyone shall die for his own iniquity. Each man who eats sour grapes, his teeth shall be set on edge. It's so interesting, this, this thought process, that the, the sons are paying for their father's eating of sour grapes. Their father's sins, basically. Their fathers have worshipped false gods for so long. Now their sons are having to eat what their fathers have done for centuries and years. And, and Jeremiah is saying there will be a time when that will no longer be the case in which the sons will pay for their own iniquity. They will be judged by their own iniquity, not what their fathers did. And in this case, right now, in this people group in North Africa, centuries of fathers choosing to bow down and worship Islam, this religion, they their sons are eating the sour grapes of their father's generation of continued not looking for the truth in Christ. And now some of these fathers are turning to Christ. We, we came to a, uh, a place in the mountains um, to a family that believes. Now, this is an incredible experience to go to someone who believes, a family who is a believer incredible. And they have a farm at the top of this mountain, okay? It takes a long time to get up this mountain. They built a road up there just to get to their farm. They have a farm on the side of a mountain, okay? And they grow crops on the side of a mountain, literally. And when you look at the side of the mountain, there's thousands of rocks in the soil, thousands upon thousands. And you think to yourself, how can you even grow anything in this? 
It's like a few pieces of dirt, big rocks, a few pieces of dirt, big rocks. And you're like, how do you, how do you even grow crops with all of these rocks? And it's just a beautiful picture of what both of these teams were doing this week was literally going and taking one rock, picking that up off the ground, saying, there is a God who loves you. Jesus came, he died for you, and he rose again. Taking that rock, throwing it out. And maybe, maybe, maybe that one, one rock right there, maybe that one rock, he's not ready to receive the truth of the gospel. But maybe his son, right? Maybe his grandson, because his grandfather heard the truth of the gospel. That's what it's like for these, these M's overseas in this country. There is not a fertile ground where people are coming to Christ by the droves. They are picking up rocks out of a field and planting seeds of the gospel. This, this uh, family, they have a strong young man. He's 27 years old and he's, he's, a, he's a leader. Um, the imam of the village learned that he had converted to Christianity and he was offered $3,000 to convert back to Islam. Now, in a village in which you have no money, bare, they just got run, water, they just got electricity a couple of years ago, in the side of a mountain where you're shepherds and you live off the land, to offer someone $3,000 is unheard of. That's, what they, that's how much they fear this one family and this one village. Four soils happen in many places around the world. It happens here as well people receiving the word and yet to be a disciple of Christ there must be fruit there must be multiplication just like in Thessalonica no doubt as, as, the, as the crowds begin to roar and begin to throw people in prison in Jason's house and all of these things are happening some, some probably walked away from the faith and said it's not worth it for me some probably said, I need to go and pursue the pleasures of this world. But there are some in Thessalonica, and we know this from the book of Thessalonians, that were good soil, that produced a good crop, and we know what's about to happen here with the Bereans. Receive the word as the word of God. Take the stones of your heart and rip them out so that God can move in your own heart, that you can hear the truth of the word of God in your own soul and worship God alone. I think of stones as worshiping other things. I think of stones as, as, uh, as, as spending your time elsewhere. I think of stones as, 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 as living in sin, being attached to sin, and you, you gotta go into your, into your heart and your mind and, and hear the word of God so you can begin to plow out those stones in your life and begin to sow seeds of truth that will produce fruit in your own heart and your own mind. Number two, we gotta keep moving here. Verse 11, let's go back to that. Now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. This is point number two. Examine the scriptures to see the truth. I, I, we go back to John chapter one. We take it, we take it way too uh, um, for granted that we believe John chapter one. Imagine not believing John chapter one. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. Without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. In verse 14, 
is the kicker. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. Glory as the one only son from the father full of grace and truth. Isn't that beautiful? Examining the scriptures to see the truth of who God is. Who Jesus is. Such a beautiful picture. Go back to relationship with Genesis chapter 1 verse 1. You'll have to come on Wednesday nights. We talk about these things on Wednesday nights to get more in depth on this. But Genesis chapter 1 1 and John chapter 1 1. You compare the two. They're very similar in their understanding of who we're talking about. John parallels Genesis 1 with John 1 to reveal to us who Jesus is, God himself dwelling among us, taking on flesh. You see, the examination of the scriptures, it not only proves the existence of God, but also the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. The Old Testament should have been studied by multiple archaeologists, historians, all of these things are coming together in the truth of Scripture. And it's verified by Christ himself. We have archaeological proof of the Scriptures that they're accurate and they're historical and the content of those Scriptures, they're all pointing to one who is Jesus. And the New Testament itself as well written by disciples of Christ, willing to give up their life. Why would they write these things? Why would they give up their life if Jesus truly did not resurrect from the dead? They were scared. They wanted to deny that they even knew him. And now we have these men writing and testifying to the truth that Christ resurrected from the dead. Why? For money? Does it look like Paul is getting a lot of money here? I don't think so. Because they believed it was true. Because they testified to the truth that we serve a risen Savior. His name is Jesus. So, where are we at here? These Bereans, they study the scriptures. And we should be people who study the scriptures. Every, every sermon we come out with, we prepare and responding in worship sermon. We come out with a sermon guide. You should read the scriptures. You should know the scriptures. You should go back and learn the scriptures. You should talk about the scriptures in your small group. The scriptures should be everything that you're examining to see what is true. What is right? What does God's word say? How do I live? How do I function? How do I breathe? How do I operate? God's word tells us and we examine those scriptures together. But God has given us the spirit of truth to guide us in all truth according to the word of God, okay? He doesn't just leave us alone in examining this. John 16, 13, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and will declare to you the things that are to come. He is declaring, then he says, he will glorify me. He's declaring the word that became flesh and dwelt among men, Christ. He will glorify Christ. He will declare the truth of God's word. He will guide you in all truth. The spirit of the living God, what does he do? He helps you to understand the gospel and live the gospel, to live the word of God out, to examine the scriptures to see if these things are true, and then guide you in those things to live that out through the fruit of the spirit in your own life. This is the Holy Spirit. This is what we see in Acts and the advancement of the gospel in the life of God's church and the life of God's 
people. And these Bereans are noble enough to say, yes, we're confronted with the truth, we're receiving that truth, and now we're gonna examine that to see what it says according to the scriptures. That should be us. That should be God's church. Examining to see what does the scriptures say. In a world in which is telling you all sorts of lies, you can have lies all day long in your head. You can have lies all day long from your television, from your movies, from your friends, from your TV, from your news station. All of these things in your head. And they're going all the time. Lies, 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 lies. Where is the truth? Where do you hear the truth? You need to go to those places, okay? You need to be around those people that are talking truth, that are that are talking about the scripture, that are discussing the scripture, that have the scriptures in their heart and their mind. I'll tell you what, this team was fantastic. Why? Maybe on the plane ride back home, but besides the plane ride back home, we didn't talk politics, COVID-19, nothing. It was all about the scriptures. It was all about what God is doing, what his word says, how we can apply that, how we can tell other people about that. And you know what? It was so refreshing in my soul. I not once thought about anything other than what does God want me to say to this person according to his scripture. Isn't that cool? I know that's hard for all of us in our normal daily rhythms of life, but we gotta get more like that. Hearing the word of God leads to faith. This is point number three. Many of them therefore believed. So what do they do? They received the truth of the gospel. They examined the scriptures to see if these things were true. And they believed. They heard the word. They examined the scriptures and they believed. Hearing the word of God leads to faith. The last day we were there, we circled back, and you may hear some stories about this, but we circled back on a couple people we had met with, that we had hung out with, and one of the stories that uh, we were led to was the parable of the hidden treasure, Matthew 13, 44, because at this point, there are some who are um, counting the cost, right? The cost is high to come to Christ. You're, you're, you're kicked out of your family. You're kicked out of your community. You're ostracized. You're... you're you're made uh, outside of reality. You're going to hell according to their culture. All of these things. And, and uh, Matthew 13, says this. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field. A man finds and covers up. Then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and he buys that field. Then he tells the parable of the pearl of great value. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all he had and bought it. You see, when you understand the gospel and the truth of God's word and understand what the kingdom of God is offering, everything else is less than. Everything else becomes nothing or expendable will for the gospel of Christ that's hard to tell someone who is about to lose everything if they receive Jesus and, and, and truly I don't understand that I haven't been in that situation but confronted by that truth how am I going to live right You see, the kingdom of heaven becomes important in our own hearts and minds because we believe that it's greater than all things, anything else. Is Jesus worth it? That's the question you gotta ask in your life. Is he worth it? Is he greater than money, greater than material possessions, fame, friendships? Is he worth it? These guys are gonna come and share with you some of the stories of, of uh, what God did in their heart and minds and, and they certainly sacrificed a lot to be on this trip. Uh, their jobs, their, their money, their finances. 
to be able to do something like this. Um, But we thank you, church, for allowing us to do that. So we're about to respond in worship, and then we're going to cut the feed and uh, have these guys' testimony. Then we have a video from uh, one of our M's in in a uh, closed country. So let me me pray for us, and then we'll respond in worship. Father, we thank you that your word is true, that we do have a choice to make a decision. That we can either live our lives for the kingdom of heaven or live for ourselves. Father, help us to be um, the good soil in our hearts and minds that produces fruit. Father, we know that uh, there are many in here who are struggling with their faith. We pray that they would examine the scriptures, they would examine. John, and hear from your word. And Father, we pray that there are some in here that would believe in the truth of the gospel, that they have heard, Father, even this morning, some of the cases and apologetics in which you have given according to your scriptures, the truth of why we believe in Jesus, how we give our life, to this great and mighty treasure that is worth all things, worth more than we could even think about. Lord, we thank you for our many brothers and sisters in this room and all over the world who have given up and sacrificed so much to live a life worthy of the calling of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we have many who are in this room who are elderly, who have given up so much of their life for your truth, for your word, and we thank you for their faithfulness. We thank you for their love for one another, their encouragement to me and others. Father, we ask that we would be a church that is boldly proclaiming that you are the way, the truth, and the life, that no one comes to the Father except through Christ. Help us to be witnesses, not only in Oklahoma City, but everywhere in the world for your truth and the gospel. We thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name we pray.